I think it's safe to say Harry Houdini is a legend in the world of magic and one of the most iconic escape artists who've ever lived. Certainly, I know he is a personal hero of yours. He sure is. And the reason I'm bringing him up today is because while magicians don't usually reveal the secrets to their tricks, Houdini once went on a crusade against spiritualism to expose mediums and psychics as frauds. I cannot wait to hear this story. I know you've covered him before on our other podcasts that shall not be named, but I can't wait to hear this take on Houdini today. This is going to be round two of my favorite story. everyone and welcome to Rituals, a Spotify original from Parcast. I'm M. Schultz. And I'm Christine Schieffer. Every week we'll explore the evolution of spiritualism and the occult through stories, practices, and the impact on modern culture. Christine, I'm very excited to talk about Harry Houdini. <laughs> Love this, this. I couldn't be more excited. This is one of those topics where if you left me the challenge of like talking for 20 <laughs> uninterrupted minutes, what would I talk about? It would be Harry Houdini and his plight against the mediums and psychics of his time. <laughs> I cannot wait. To, you get so impassioned over this topic and I just love to hear it. I get so jazzed. And in case anyone <laughs> wants to hear it in maybe a little bit too lengthy of a, of a piece, you can go <laughs> listen to our two-parter on And That's Why We Drink. It's episodes 155 and 156. But wow, I just can't get enough of this. So let's crack into it. It feels like we're all being told to go on this diet, take that supplement. Ozempic will give you depression, but you know what'll cure that? Weed. Or you could try to balance your hormones. At Science Versus, we're like, what the f*** is going on? Forget the crap online and listen to Science Versus. Just the facts. Oh, and a bunch of stupid jokes. What is a ghost's favorite fruit? Booberries. That's Science VS. New season out on Spotify soon. We all know and love Harry Houdini as a magician, or at least I do, and I'm okay with standing alone in that. But <laughs> in terms of his magical talents, do you have any personal experience with magic? I love magic, and I used to be in love with Chris Angel, and I'm just going to stop there and let you have I'm so glad you said it because <laughs> I, I wrote that in my notes to make you sure. You did I, not. I made sure to call you out publicly because you did have a bit of a weird thing with Chris Angel. You know, I would say a weird thing. A lot with, of us did. A lot of us did. Yeah, I, you say weird thing with Chris Angel. I would say, like, I alone had a weird thing that Chris Angel did not agree to be part of. Um, <laughs> but yes, I definitely spent a summer just kind of mm, being obsessed with him and his whole thing. Uh, that's all. Were you, so I guess I know the answer to this, but there was quite a rivalry, if I understand it, of Chris Angel versus David Blaine of the time. I never really paid any attention to David Blaine. I was on the Chris train, you know? He didn't have the same hair as Chris Angel, I guess. He didn't have the same je ne sais quoi. Okay. Okay. <laughs> that's that's what people say about us as podcasters, maybe. So, something about that je ne sais quoi they have. Do you have any any particular fun stories of seeing a magician perform? Have you ever seen Chris Angel live? 
You know, I haven't. I think it would be too much for me and my brain to process. But I did see Penn and Teller live once. And <gasps> fun. That was really fun. And I will say it was great to watch, but it also kind of bummed me out because much like Houdini, they are kind of on a mission out. They are pretty outspoken against mm-hmm. any sort of psychic or medium. You know, they call it all baloney, which I do understand the thought process there, especially when people are taking advantage of others. But someone who likes to believe that psychics and mediums can be real. I was a little bummed that that was such a big part of it, but their show was amazing. So I actually, my senior thesis in college, the class that I took that like got me to graduate, it was a psychology class and it was called Why People Believe Weird Things. (laughs) And it was, every class was just like a different either supernatural or illusion oh, tactic or we talked about cool is that near-death experiences we talked about aliens that the whole class was just learned it was basically the pre-game to and that's why we drink I think yeah the part that I hated was that the professor was a staunch skeptic and I would literally come to class from my job as a ghost hunter <laughs> and I'd be like all right let's let's see where this class takes us Literally, one of the class sources was we would have to watch Penn and Teller bullshit. <laughs> yeah. And it's like, oh, man, I respect them so much and they do such a great job. But like, oh, I wish I could convince them. You know? I know. Yeah, I know. And how much do you know in particular about Harry Houdini? A surprising amount, considering we often forget the topics we discuss on the podcast. But I think just the way that you told me this story back in the day, um, the first time you told it, it really stuck with me. And Harry Houdini just one of those people you just can't forget, you know? You certainly can't. Also, speaking of magic, hurtful you never mentioned my career in magic as a clown. Well, I feel like you say hurtful, but then every time I bring it up, I get in trouble. I'm hurt either way. It's (sighs) no, you can't win. Sure, sure. Right before COVID, I actually was auditioning for the Magic Castle. Right. And then COVID hit, so my, like, mentor and everyone literally left and, like, moved away, so I'm back at ground zero. But... One of the things that I love about the Magic Castle is that if you hit a certain tier of like, there's different levels of your ranking there at the Magic Castle. And once you hit like gold pin magician status, you have access to Harry Houdini's like full archive of all of his own (gasps) magic books. And (gasps) you can see like his own basically little workshop of how he did all the his illusionist tricks. So that was what I was trying to get to eventually. I never made it, but I do know where it sits and it is uh, not too far away from me. The night is young. Um, You could make it. (laughs) I could do it again. We'll see. And then another thing I wanted to add, which we mentioned later in this, is that he is one of the things about his spiritualist history is that he's frenemies with uh, Sir Arthur Conan Doyle, who we mentioned in episode two. Right. So just wanted to give a shout out to uh, one of the first episodes we did on Rituals Together. ACD. And have you, you have heard of his anger against the spiritualist community because I scream about it to you all the time. Yeah, you do. And, you know, can I just take a moment to say this was kind of an unexpected hero of, to me, for you in that. Yeah. He was, much like Penn and Teller, very, very staunchly opposed to the psychic mediums of the time who were putting on these kind of shows and trying to take advantage of people. And so I I was surprised that you just so strongly connected with him for that, since you are much more on the side of believer than Houdini was. 
It's the drama. That's all. I, oh, I see. I see. I just love the drama. Also, it's a combination of magic, which a little bit of my life has been invested in at some point, and mm. the spiritualist community clashing publicly through mm. like town gossip. Also, like it really was just the chef's kiss of of stories. Yeah. Okay. But yeah, I would love to see if we could, if time travel becomes real one day, I'd love to put Houdini and Penn and Teller all in a room and just oh, they, they would, would have a bro out. Mm. So let's get into it before I. Don't uh, stop talking ever. <laughs> All right. So here we are, the story of Harry Houdini and his crusade against the, <laughs> the, the mediums. So Harry Houdini is very much an American icon. He's known for his magic acts. And Houdini is actually just his stage name. He was born Eric Weiss, or would you say Weiss with a V? Uh, yeah, probably. I don't there know much about Hungary, but at least in my mind, it would be Weiss. Well, he was born in Budapest in 1874, but moved to Wisconsin when he was just four years old. And he loved America so much, he told people that that was where he was born. Aw, Wisconsin boy. I think it was Appleton, Wisconsin. Oh. Fun fact. That, that sounds like the most like homegrown American Doesn't town it? of all time. Your home sounds like apple pie. So Yeah. <laughs> So while still pretty young, Houdini fell in love with trapeze arts and joined a local circus when he was nine. And by 1891, Houdini was living in New York with his family and created a magic act with a friend. And they called it the Brothers Houdini. Aww, so fun. Sweet. The following year in 1892, 18-year-old Harry Houdini's dad died and he took his magic act on the road. Okay. In the summer of 94, 1894, Harry Houdini got married to a fellow performer and she became his new assistant and show partner. And then the show oh. was called The Houdinis. I love that. It's like a family affair. Oh, I love it. So five years into their new act, the Houdinis caught their big break when a rising vaudeville tycoon, you know how rampant they were back then. <laughs> I sure do. <laughs> they, this vaudeville tycoon booked them for a show and things took off from there. And that's where they were really uh, seen for the first time. Launched into the spotlight. Uh-huh. So part of the show by then was Houdini showing off his abilities as an escape artist. And that was the thing right. that really defined his legacy. Because he's not mm -hmm. just a magician. I I would call him, not to sound like all, well, actually, it's not magician. <laughs> it's illusion artist. Illusionist, but yeah. <laughs> he is known for his escape tactics. And do you think you got him trapped? Bam. No, you don't. Okay. Bam, bang, bam, boom. Bada bing, bada boom. What, 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 Harry Houdini? So the Houdinis became very rich and famous and enough to buy multiple houses. Good for them. Oh, must be nice. And in 1913, Houdini's mother died. Uh, many say that this is when he started reinventing his act and making it more extreme. Apparently, this is when he started burying himself alive. Oh, so, dear Lord, I, that part I don't like. That stresses me out a little too much. That's probably the saddest part part to all of this that he was clearly grieving and trying to relate to death in some way or understand yeah. it and so fun fact it's a fact it's not fun but it's a fact and at the height of his career people really thought that houdini had superpowers because he was that good and he always wow. denied it which i'm glad he denied it can you imagine the narcissism of like oh yeah i am a superhero <laughs> but that's that's so powerful because the other people who are doing these illusions and saying they were truly doing them Mm -hmm. And that it was real magic. And he was the whole time saying, no, this, like, don't trust everything you see. We're all frauds. A man of integrity while I also bamboozling you. <laughs> yeah, but he's, like, very clear that he's bamboozling you. There's yeah. no, uh, <laughs> he wants you to know like, it. <laughs> th this is a trick. This is all a trick. Let me publicly say it. 
So he always denied that he had superpowers, which I love him even more for that because he really mm-hmm. was like the only one out there being like honest about that. Yeah. And he also began a very public battle against spiritualists, including mediums and psychics who he believed basically allowed people to believe in their powers. So right. he thought they were taking advantage of people. I mean, they weren't openly saying this is a trick. So I think he was like, right. aha, we're all illusionists here. Let's play fair. Yeah, that's a great way to put it. Up next, the battle begins. <laughs> Hear how Harry Houdini's fight against spiritualism took him all the way to Congress and the friendship that fell apart because of it all. I'm sensing some ACD might be involved, but we'll see. We'll see. Dun, dun, dun. Hi, listeners. It's Vanessa from the Spotify original from Parcast, Cults. Next on our series, a four-part deep dive into the religious movement known as the Moonies. Sushi, mass weddings, political coups. Discover the many business ventures, beliefs, and scandals of this headline-making sect. This is one special you do not want to miss. You can also catch up on hundreds of classic episodes and new ones each week by following Cults free on Spotify. Find out what turns a natural-born leader into a vessel for wreaking havoc. Enjoy a new episode of Cults every Tuesday, free and only on Spotify. eBay Motors is here for the ride. With over 122 million parts, you can make sure your number one ride or die stays running smoothly. Brake kits, LED headlights, bumpers, whatever your baby needs, eBay Motors has it. And with eBay Guaranteed Fit, it's guaranteed to fit your ride the first time, every time. Plus, at these prices, you're burning rubber, not cash. Keep your ride or die alive at ebaymotors.com. Eligible items only, exclusions apply. It's kind of interesting that a man who made his living by making people believe the unbelievable wasn't a fan of spiritualism. Many people actually believed that Houdini himself had supernatural powers, which he denied, and he preferred to be called a mysterious entertainer. But I feel like spiritualists and psychics were also mysterious entertainers. Yeah, it's almost like they were in the same circles, but he was like, don't get it twisted. I'm not one of them. But also he kind of wasn't, I guess, because he wasn't pretending that it was real. I feel like they both, both of them had the same goal with an audience, which was to like leave them kind of awestruck, but in different, in completely different ways. Yeah. He was almost doing it to prove that the other people were also frauds. (laughs) Yeah. 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 Like he was obviously very technical and I think he considered what he was doing a craft and an art. Sure. And the spiritualists were saying like, oh, this is a you know, a natural gift and... Right, connection to the beyond, all that. I I think Houdini was like, "Mm, okay, like, I literally know every trick up anyone's sleeve, so, like, please Mm -hmm. don't play that game with me and pretend like this is legit. Mm -hmm. Which, again, this is where I'll say, personally, like, I do believe that there are people out there with very special gifts, but Harry Houdini might have laughed in your face, (laughs) just to be clear. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) Because he laughed at the idea of psychics, and he insulted them by saying, quote, it's not necessary for the medium to be even a clever conjurer. Which is like... Ouch. Such a twist of the knife. So they're not craft people like he is (laughs) they're not even clever like they can just sit in front of you and lie to your face and they don't have to do anything 
whimsical like he has to do behind the scenes to Mm -hmm. impress you. Mm -hmm. And he considered it a violation of trust that the person looking to contact someone on the other side was never told that the manifestations were fake, according to him. Yeah. I mean, if that is the case and people were taking advantage, which I know oftentimes they were, that is pretty shady to me. I find that actually more than shady, just outright unethical. Yeah. We've talked about this before on here that you've had your own experiences of being told like some really awful stuff or your friend was told really awful stuff. And it wasn't even true. It was just like, yeah, it's just like to put on a show. I guess to make the experience more real. Yeah, Yeah, to make it more dramatic. And I like at what cost, you know? Exactly. So if you're going to scam people, at least tell them like things they maybe want to (laughs) hear. You know, like don't, you know, like don't (laughs) tell them. Don't don't scam people. You know, I mean. Between the two, can you imagine getting scammed and then also hearing horrible, horrible news? Like the, the stress. But then at least you can find out it was all fake, you know? That's true. That's true. So we briefly mentioned Houdini's frustrations with mediums and spirituality in our episode about ACD, Arthur Conan Doyle, episode two. Mm -hmm. And he was the man who created Sherlock Holmes, and he's very involved in the spiritualist community also. Mm -hmm. And the two of them were big-time celebrities at the time, and they were also friends. So I like to imagine if People Magazine were out back then, like, they'd have their (laughs) own, like, couple name or something. Like They'd They'd be walking around with Starbucks and sunglasses on. They'd have a good time. But... ACD, his life of spiritualism got in the way of their friendship. Hmm. For starters, Arthur Conan Doyle was also one of those people who claimed Houdini was psychic himself. He fully oh. believed it. Because if you remember, he was like a staunch, but like staunch believer. A little crazed by the I end. would say like, to a fault. Yeah. You know, I actually, when we just had one of our our last shows of our tour, we were in Toronto. And while I was there, I went to the public library and they have all of Arthur Conan Doyle's collection wow. of all of his. And it was interesting to see like where he started and like all of his Sherlock Holmes stuff. But by the time he was older and he was, he didn't even want to be known for Sherlock Holmes. I remember of, you saying like they would tell him, you have to keep writing those books. That's what people want to that's read. That's the money maker. Wanted, right. He wanted to write other stuff about spiritual. He wanted to write about fairies and things like that. So it was interesting to like actually be able to see all of his books on fairies and things. Like wow. That. That's cool. Just to see the, the chronology the of his writing. Yeah. The progression of his yeah. interest in spiritualism. Mm-hmm. But so he was so into it that he also was one of the people believing that Houdini had superpowers. Which is so awkward. Because it's like, no, dude, I'm not. It's all a yeah. trick. And it's like, no, you're really psychic. But I'm not, but I'm not though. It's especially weird because they were friends. Like yeah. it's like they're at dinner and you're like, I feel like Houdini must have thought he was talking to like a Looney Tune to be like, what are you talking about? Like you really <laughs> are sitting here thinking I'm like like an Avenger or something? What? Magical. It hurts that there have been friendships like that and you don't have stars in your eyes over me like that, just so we're clear. I've always called you my superhero and you've never denied it. Unlike Houdini, you let me believe that you are full of mystical powers. Unlike Houdini, I like the attention. So Um, (laughs) that's true. (laughs) So ACD and him are friends. But then during one night in Atlantic City in a hotel room, this was in 1922. No good story has ever started with that. One (laughs) night during an Atlantic City hotel room. Uh, So ACD, his wife, Jean, held a seance that Houdini went to. So just from my own crazed research with Houdini, I can tell you that he was very, very close to his mother who had just passed, as we just discussed on here. Right. And he actually went through a phase where he went from medium to medium, desperately trying to find his mom. That's the part of it that I think is so 
powerful is that he really wanted to like he was open to finding someone who could really do it, but he just disproved everyone. So yeah. it wasn't like he was just doing it to be an asshole. Like he really wanted to, if somebody really was able to do this and had these powers, he was ready to believe it, but he just couldn't yeah. find anyone who did. I think it originally, especially because he was friends with Arthur Conan Doyle, who was such a staunch believer, I think he was at the very least open-minded to the concept. Mm-hmm. I think I remember him even saying like, this isn't a quote from him, but I do think Harry Houdini was kind of like meh about whether or not spiritualism worked. I think he was like, oh, it, it could be there, but I don't know about it. And so I think when he lost his mom, who he was so close with, he just was really clinging to the fact that maybe it does work. And he was mm-hmm. so then, you know, his friend's wife is like, oh, I, I, I have the ability to do seances. Let's uh, let's see where this takes let's us. Try it out. And that night, Jean said she ended up being able to channel the spirit of Houdini's dead mother. Oh, boy. This already feels like a tricky place in a friendship to be pulling. And think of the trust, too, because he's already gone to a bunch of strangers and hasn't. He's either been disappointed or felt swindled. Mm -hmm. And so now he's having this happen with, like, someone he trusts wife. Mm -hmm. Someone he trusts, someone who he trusts. And... So she says that she's got a hold of Houdini's dead mother and she started even doing some automatic writing and so putting on paper what Houdini's mom was allegedly saying to her and she wrote it in fluent English. But the issue was Houdini's mom was from Hungary and knew very little English. Oh my gosh, that'd be such a rookie mistake, Jean. A rookie mistake. Mm. So She's probably thinking, oh, this lady's from Appleton, Wisconsin. <laughs> uh, I think I can probably channel, oh, I got a sweet pie baking on the windowsill, cooling on the windowsill. Might as well write it in a Midwest accent while we're at it. Yeah. Yep, yep, yep. So their friendship pretty much ended after that. Yeah. Just because, I mean, the trust was completely betrayed. I imagine it would be a heartbreaking moment. And then they made their arguments very public, which I get into extremely detail on and and that's why we drink but (laughs) this includes using the press and even while giving lectures they're just so openly (laughs) not feeling each other anymore this is like the old-timey like twitter feud you know yeah we would have been all following this on tiktok and there would have been people like commentating on it again uh this would have been people magazine front cover (laughs) the the big tear the picture of them at the starbucks (laughs) and there would be like a a tear in the photo (laughs) broken trust yeah I wrote it already. Don't worry. Stop it. Stop it. <laughs> uh, see, this is, you were wondering why I like Houdini so yeah, much. Yeah, I get it now. I, I get just, it. I just need, I want an E! True Hollywood story and I'm not getting it. I'm losing my mind over here. <laughs> to be fair, Houdini made this all a very public campaign, not just his fight with Arthur Conan Doyle. And he did so while performing his magic shows. Oh, oh yeah. okay. So he's like on tour and in his off time, he's also just, like, taken down. He's like, by the way. By the way, I'm not a fan of spiritualism and ACD sucks. I think he actually wrote, oh, no, that was a different person that gets involved. It becomes a real mess uh, in the spiritualist yeah, community. Like people start taking sides. It's People start taking out ads in the newspaper to, like, cuss each other out. It's a whole thing. <laughs> oh so this is how he would do it while he was on tour. On show nights, he would call out the local spiritualists, and he even gave public presentations about his, like, witch hunts with, with visual aids. He started oh, wow. even, like, I remember seeing flyers during, like, for one of his shows, and it, like, came with cartoons of, like, how mediums are duping you. Oh, my God. Cartoons? <laughs> he made, like, little comic strips about, like, how you can do these illusions at home. That must have genuinely pissed off the people who were who were trying to pull one over on their clientele. Oh, he was trying to take down the system. He was, like, burning bridges left and right. He, oh, 
100%. King of burning bridges. He was even answering questions about fake mediums and newspapers. I mean, this was a full-time hobby for him. <laughs> so in 1924, he put his anti-spiritualist movement into a book called A Magician Among the Spirits, where he debunked some of the effects that mediums produced, including making things float. Okay. So I would love to hear about Rolando's little bed moving all over the place. Exactly. Just saying. And then in the fall of 1925, Houdini created an entirely new live show just to debunk psychics and mediums in cities around the country. Man, that must have ticked people off. The best part is he each night he would publicly offer $10,000 at the time to <gasps> anyone who could show off supernatural abilities that he could not replicate himself. Oh, my gosh. And the fact that nobody could do it. And the show sold out all over the country, obviously. For sure. In our part two on And That's Why We Drank, I talk about Mina Crandon, who was like his arch nemesis. Arch I was like nemesis. enemy number one, a public <laughs> enemy number one for him on uh, in the medium world. And he hated her. And at some uh, shows, he would even, uh, I think it was at shows that like it were local to her. She was in Boston. Right. And he would get on stage and call her out personally and be like, Mia Cranon, if you could come up here <laughs> and do something I can't do, I'll give you $10,000 right now. That has got to be such like an ego, blow, like a blow to her ego, you know? Oh my gosh. It was just, but then I don't know. I also wonder like what it looked like for the actual mediums, like if people were pouring into their into their sessions like trying to like disprove them like did they still make money off of it oh, just that's in a true. worse way i don't know hmm. so houdini actually testified in front of congress by the way in oh 1926 God. to support legislation that would criminalize fortune telling <gasps> and anyone who claimed they could reunite you with a lost loved one that's quite a quite something to go to congress i mean talk about vengeance on like just wanting a relationship or just wanting to hear from your mom and like yeah someone burning you so many times you're like i'm gonna go to congress so this can't happen yeah, to other I have people something to say to the president real quick <laughs> <laughs> okay at least he was using his power for good right yeah like, that's true don't take advantage of people who are being taken advantage of so he's almost like a vigilante running around like trying to uh he was the batman people. the batman of the time yeah yeah and uh houdini said Quote, this thing they call spiritualism, wherein a medium intercommunicates with the dead, is a fraud from start to finish. <laughs> I just love that. Like, start to finish, end of story. Bada bing, bada boom, I'm out. <laughs> this is not what I want to do. And then he, poof, he vanishes in a puff of smoke. And everyone's like, oh, he's magic. <laughs> Christine, Christine Schieffer. If he didn't leave Congress... <laughs> In a blaze of glory like that. That's what I'm saying. That couldn't have happened because we would have all heard about it shortly, right? I'm convinced. I'm convinced I was a journalist in this time period in a past life because I'm writing all this down. You were not a writer for people, though. You were a writer for National Enquirer. You were yeah, like, like he and then he explodes into feathers. <laughs> <laughs> he truly is magic. <laughs> so the Washington Post called this hearing uproarious. Oh my, it sounds like it. It sounds like he maybe did just poof into air. I don't know. <laughs> Could have been. And during his testimony, Houdini even showed off some of the tricks that mediums use to perform to fool people. Okay. That must have been for people in Congress who probably have a pretty boring, as far as C-SPAN has told me so far <laughs> in my life, pretty boring day. This would have been probably one of the most memorable afternoons. Oh, Congress. especially imagine if like you, I don't know what the phrases are, but like, what if you're not invited to this meeting? <laughs> yeah, yeah, you, you all your buddies on one day or something. <laughs> what if all your buddies get to go to this meeting, but you had to like stay at the office and fill out oh, paperwork no. and they all come back and they're like, you wouldn't believe it. I just watched him like throw up ectoplasm. It's crazy. <laughs> 
There were reportedly around 300 fortune tellers, mediums, and astrologers there to defend themselves from him doing these performances in court. Good luck. And during this hearing, Houdini also kept his public fight with Arthur Conan Doyle going, calling him, in front of everybody, one of the greatest dupes. Oh, ouch. And in the end, the bill died in committee. Oh, so never. I mean, I guess we still have, you know, fortune telling today. So could have predicted that. But makes sense that it still exists. Hmm. Yeah, I don't know why it died in committee. I don't know what the caveat was, but it's probably the 300 some people there to defend themselves probably helped them decide. "Mm, I think we got to let them keep doing this. All in all, Houdini said he personally investigated hundreds of spiritualists over 35 years. And Mm. this is something that we talked about in the first episode of our part one. And that's Mm -hmm. why we drink. But he had like a whole like group of spies. Oh, yeah. That would go into seances and, like, report back to him. So a lot of times he would go even wearing a disguise himself. (laughs) At some point, he'd rip off the disguise and reveal to everyone how he thought fraud was being committed. Houdini is nothing if not just, like, a drama queen. I mean, the fact that he had to reveal himself on the spot (laughs) with, like, I mean, today that would be TikTok viral every five seconds. Like, he rips off his disguise and says, ah, I caught you. I mean, wow. Could you imagine being one of the people in that seance, though, and you don't know Houdini's next to you? (laughs) Yeah. It's like what I imagine, like, someone getting, like, a small free private concert with, like, a famous musician. Yeah, I was going to say getting into the cash cab, but also that. (laughs) It is like you are hitting the lottery, though. You're hitting the jackpot because, like... Imagine just sitting there and all of a sudden a man just gets up in the middle of the stands and goes, aha. And rips off his mustache. Yeah. And it's Harry Houdini. And now he's doing magic in a private room for you while you get to watch like the drama between him and this medium. But also I feel like I'd be pissed because I'm like, I was just talking to my uncle and now Houdini's here to like ruin this for me. You know? All I know is if nothing were really happening for me in that room and I felt like I should probably leave anyway. And then that happened. You're right. Stick around. My brain would explode. I'd be like, yeah. this just <laughs> the serotonin. I can't I can't process this. So he would wear his own disguises and Houdini even had employees to help him. Mm -hmm. And one woman who worked for him, Rose Mackenberg, who was a big character Mm -hmm. in my notes, she would also wear disguises to seances and meet psychics and then report back to Houdini. And it gave him some intel on like what the new tricks were that they were going to try to use maybe against Houdini or like something he hadn't heard of yet. And he just kind of had like a full running list of every trick that, that psychics were doing and he would make it a espionage. Uh huh. And he would make it his personal goal to know how to do every single one of them. That's amazing. And then he would call them out on stage when they were, when he was in their town. So like, (laughs) yeah, they couldn't win. I love it. So Rose even said in over two years working with Houdini, she investigated more than 300 psychics and seers. 300? Wow. This is no hobby anymore. This is a whole side hustle. Full-time job. And then, of course, he would run his mouth about it to anyone who would listen. (laughs) Of course. That's why we love him. Coming up, as loud as his hatred of spiritualism got during his lifetime, there's an ironic, maybe hypocritical twist surrounding Houdini's death. Oh, boy. Of course he had to go out in a blaze of glory. Out from Mm -hmm. Congress, out from life. I can't wait to hear it. All of it. By 1926, Harry Houdini's crusade against spiritualism hit the big stage with his congressional hearing though it ended in a thud with the government voting down any legislation that outlawed mediums. 
But mm-hmm. his bread and butter was his showmanship, <laughs> as we can t- tell. <laughs> and that same year, he landed his own one-man show on Broadway, which... Classic. Then I must have done something so wrong in a past life to not be around during this time to see this Broadway show. I mean, wow, beautiful. It was simply called Houdini. And of course it was <laughs> included the gambit of his career from the easy illusion tricks, his complicated escapes, and of course, a whole bit about spiritualism. And the show was so big. It was such a hit that he took it on the road. Amazing. But that October, while in Montreal, a man attacked Houdini in his dressing room, <gasps> hitting him in the stomach many, many times. Oh, my God. So here's the thing. Mina Crandon, I really keep inserting my own notes here, but this is quite a fun fact. Yeah. Mina Crandon at like one of the big peaks of her issues with Houdini, she made a prediction and said, Houdini will be dead by November. <gasps> and on Halloween night, October 31st, the day oh, before no. November, oh no, he was doing a show where one of his bits was that he would let people like, I guess, punch him in the stomach because he could tighten up his stomach so hard. He was like known right. to have like a stomach of steel. Right. And basically in his dressing room, this man who was uninvited, walked into his room and just got him right in the gut. Damn. And I guess this was the way that he usually prepares for that bit is he has a whole thing where he tightens his muscles a certain way. And because they weren't tightened the right way, he got punched when he wasn't prepared and it (gasps) ended up uh, aggravating a case of appendicitis. (gasps) Oh, no. And even though Houdini was really sick from that, he performed more shows before his appendix was removed. But in the delay in getting surgery meant that the infection was able to spread and Harry Houdini died in Detroit on Halloween. Oh, my gosh. Okay. Well, maybe this is just my true crime brain talking, but the fact that Mina Crandon was like, he's going to die by November. And then he just so happens to die. I'd be like, "Um, suspect number one, I think. Okay, that's you're not alone. There's a whole conspiracy about like, did she say it would happen by November. And then one of her like staunch believers and advocates right. found Houdini and tried to hurt him to make sure that it came true. That her prediction was true. Or did she really predict it? But a lot of people think there was a conspiracy there of like, oh, she predicted mm-hmm. something and then there was a setup. So right. who knows? But now here's the real kicker. In the event that he died before her, Harry Houdini gave his wife a secret code. <gasps> and he promised that if it actually was possible to talk to the dead, he would communicate that code to her from beyond. Oh my goodness. And his wife held a seance for 10 years, every Halloween, every, it was always on his death day. Yeah. But she never heard from him. And she said, you know what? 10 years is long enough to wait for a man. End quote. (laughs) Well, she's not wrong. She's not wrong, but what a way to, so she waited for 10 years and she was like, that's enough for me. But I will tell you, at the Magic Castle on Halloween, they do hold a limited space seance what? To, in Harry Houdini's like area to try to conjure Harry Houdini. Incredible. I don't know if they still do it after COVID or anything, but that was one of the selling points when I was auditioning. They were like, oh, yeah, we have a every Halloween we do a seance for Houdini. And I was like, oh, yeah, I'm coming to that. <laughs> yeah. Um. So uh, correct me if I'm wrong, but if I remember correctly, there was a time when she did receive the code, and it turns out somebody had found out what the code was. Oh, I feel had, like we did talk about that. I don't remember. Yeah. I don't remember the facts though. Yeah, it was it was a very specific line from a song or something. That, oh yeah! Wow, Christine, you're on it. <laughs> I just remember this story because it's so wild, and I remember like that moment of you think like, 
oh my gosh, it really happened that she got this secret code. But then it turns out, which is even a double blow, I think, that the person who said that they received this message had actually found this code in a locket or something. Like they knew they knew that uh, was the code. So oh, they were yeah. hoaxing her, which is just doubly bad, in my opinion. Oh, wow. Honestly, you know, it would be terrible if it was a like totally like a scam again. And like Harry Houdini was right all over again that like people are just taking advantage of others. Right. It would also suck, though, if she found out that, you know, talking to the dead is real. And now he's not even around to be able to he's not even around for her to tell him about it. And he just spent his whole career like poo pooing on it. It makes me wonder, though, if like he was just so stubborn from beyond the grave that he was like, oh, well, it is possible, but I don't want to prove everyone right. So I'm just going to sit here. It sounds very similar to a story I just <laughs> told you about. My, I had a friend who did the same thing. We had an agreement on whoever went first. We would try to communicate with each other from beyond the grave. And sure enough, after he passed, I never heard anything, even though... Well, and he was a staunch skeptic, so... He was a was staunch skeptic. The, so mm-hmm. I feel like him and Houdini are probably like bumping bows up there being like, <laughs> we got him. We're not saying a word to these folks. <laughs> but anyway, I mean, that's that's the... I did say I could talk about this forever and not stop. So this is the most abridged version I could pump out of me of Harry Houdini. You did a great job. I love this story. Um, I just love it. And I, I think it's so powerful that he was doing all the same things that the mediums were doing. He wasn't just sitting on the sidelines and calling them fake. He was actually proving it, which is just so cool. He was a an activist, maybe, in, in his own time. Hmm. But uh, what do you think? Do you think Houdini had jealousy towards mediums and psychics at all because i feel like that's a that's a fair argument of like they're they have to do nothing where i have to put on this whole production and people are believing both of us for the same price i almost i don't think he was necessarily jealous i think maybe it was just more like this kind of anger that people were that they were taking advantage of people that people were falling for this that no matter how many times he tried to prove that this was fake and show congress like it still kept happening i can imagine him having been taken advantage of himself, he must have just been mm-hmm. had such a vendetta to prove these people wrong. I think it's a little bit of everything. I think I totally agree with you that he his mindset was probably don't bullshit a bullshitter of like, yeah, yeah, exactly. I know how illusions work. And also he probably maybe felt so, I mean, he was probably burned from the times where he mm-hmm. let himself be vulnerable to it. And then he was like, what am I talking about? I'm an illusion artist and I like totally let them trick me or however right. he thought about it. But I do think it all, the catalyst was him not being able to find his mom or like finding out that he was being swindled every time he gave them a shot. Mm-hmm. And on top of it, like it couldn't be fun to watch all these other people being so successful knowing that they don't, haven't really earned it. Yeah. I don't know. I think it's a combination of everything with him particularly thinking like, I need to protect other people from getting hurt like I have. There must have been a frustration there that that these people, these mediums and psychics kept getting customers, even though he was trying to prove them wrong over and over again. It also has to be a fun, like, challenge for himself. Like, I like to think if he's still passionate about uh, his own, like, talents and magic, it was fun for him to think, how can I consider myself an illusion artist if I can fall for the tricks up their sleeve. When Fair I, point. So like maybe I just make this my hobby where I just try to see how many times I can challenge them and, and figure out what they're up to. So it yeah. was literally Penn and Teller's bullshit, by the way. Like that's yeah. that's yeah. what the show is where they watch magicians perform and then on a judging panel, they tell you how you did it. So it's amazing. Yeah. So it's just uh, history repeats itself. Love it. He started it all. Yeah. Anyway, so there it is. My favorite story, folks.
Thanks so much for listening. We'll be back next week with another great episode. Information on today's episode came from PBS, Ripley's, The New York Times, Smithsonian Magazine, TheGreatHarryHoudini.com, The Washington Post, and The Guardian. Remember to follow Rituals on Spotify to get a brand new episode every week. And you can listen to this and all other episodes of Rituals for free exclusively on Spotify. And if you like this show, follow at Parcast on Facebook and Instagram and at Parcast Network on Twitter. You can find me at The M. Schultz. And you can find me at Xteen Schieffer. Thanks again for listening, and we will see you next week. Rituals is executive produced by Max Cutler and is a Spotify original from Parcast. It was created by Max Cutler. Sound design by Kristen Acevedo with associate sound design by Jamie Ryan. Fact-checking by Katherine Barner. Research by Chelsea Wood. It's produced by Kristen Acevedo and Jonathan Ratliff with production assistance by Ron Shapiro. We're your hosts, Christine Schieffer and M. Schultz.